The race to 5G is on, and the battle for talent is getting fierce. Welcome to 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, a podcast dedicated to helping you face the future workforce head on. Navigate this challenging talent landscape with innovative strategies to attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. Only here on 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions. Hi, thank you so much for joining me today on 5G Talent Talk, where we talk tech, talent, and all things telecom. So I'm thrilled to have with me today, my guest, Joe Season. He is the CEO of Ontivity. Joe, thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, Carrie. It's great to be here and thanks for having me. Yeah. So I can't wait to get into this. I've been looking forward to this conversation because I have so much respect for you as a leader and I really want to hear more about your story. How did you get to your seat where you are today? Well, how much time do we have? That's I know. <laughs> right. I'll just give you a sort of brief chronological background. So I grew up in New York City in a working class family, grandson of immigrants, and graduated from New York City Public High School and was fortunate enough to get into West Point, which was a life-changing event for me. I was the first college graduate in my family. And so that was uh, certainly a transformational experience. Learned a lot about leadership and organizations at a young age. I did a few years on active duty in the U.S. Army and, again, learned from folks who had a lot more experience than I did and learned that delicate balance of managing people who are more technically competent than you are. So that's served me well throughout my career. I got out of the Army after five years on active duty and went back to business school. So that was sort of the beginning of my business career. I spent two years getting my MBA. And then after that, I had the great wisdom to leave Silicon Valley at the dawn of the Internet to join the phone company. <laughs> <laughs> Often I uh, think, what if, but it's been a great road nonetheless. But uh, yeah. yeah, started as an engineer at Bell Atlantic. That's how old I am. I actually crossed my 30th year in telecom last year. So I started as an engineer and really learned about telecom from the inside out, initially designing wireless networks at what is now known as Verizon. So it's a long time ago, but it was a great foundation to learn about the telecom industry, again, from the ground up. I followed my boss at the time in the mid-90s to a series of entrepreneurial endeavors, building fiber initially in Latin America, and then co-founded a company to build fiber in the U.S. and the Mid-Atlantic. So did a couple of entrepreneurial stints in the mid-2000s. I did a few years as a middle market telecom M&A banker. So I learned about doing deals. And then I really wanted to get back into operations. So I followed a good friend of mine to RCN Corporation, which was a competitive cable TV overbuilder. So they had a residential cable business and they had a competitive fiber business as well. So that business got acquired, a lot of M&A in the telecom sector over the last 20 years, as you know. Yep. So that was a great result. I did some individual consulting for private equity firms and family offices for a couple of years, sat on a few boards. And about seven years ago, I sort of entered the ENC, the contractor side of the business, joined a company called Pinnacle Wireless, which was a subsidiary of Unitech out of King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, who had a bunch of wireless and wireline engineering construction businesses, subsidiaries. And then I joined Highland out of the greater New York City area as COO in 2018, and then took the CEO job in 2019. And again, similar story, mostly fiber and small cell construction business. 
across the country and got recruited actually to come to Texas to take over as CEO of Entertech Holdings at the time. Entertech is the platform company of what's now known as Ontivity, founded by Eric Chase many years ago. And Eric and I have worked hand in glove in the transition over the last year. I joined just over a year ago here at Ontivity, so the honeymoon's definitely over, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's been a really, really busy year, and I look forward to talking more about that. But that's kind of how I ended up here. That's 30 years and about two months. (laughs) 30 years. You've been through it all, right? (laughs) So tell me about Ontivity. Yeah, so Ontivity is a great family member company. We call our companies family member companies put together predominantly through acquisition. Again, Entertech was the platform company founded by Eric Chase, and they did several acquisitions and they were acquired by private equity back in 2016 and then sold the business to another private equity firm in 2019. We've done a couple of more acquisitions during their tenure. So we now have five operating divisions or family member companies across the country from Florida. If you think about a big smile across the South from Florida through the Gulf States, Texas, Arizona, all the way up to the Pacific Northwest. So a big swath of Southern part of the United States and then going up to the Pacific Northwest. So we've got about a thousand employees and we do a ton of wireless infrastructure building for all the major wireless carriers, as well as a lot of the infrastructure providers, the tower companies. It's a great group of people, very dedicated to what they do. Our core value is safety. And we always lead with that. This is can be an inherently dangerous business. So we definitely focus on safety a lot. And it's been a wonderful journey, even in the quick year I spent here, bringing these five companies together and telling the story of what Ontivity is overall, while trying to preserve sort of the local strengths that we have from a customer relationship standpoint and local community standpoint. So that's kind of Ontivity in a nutshell. So Joe, you have seen a lot in your 30 years. So what are you seeing now in the way of trends that are shaping our industry for the future? Yeah, so a couple of things. Number one, we'll talk about the people aspect in depth in a minute, but certainly some significant changes in terms of the talent pool and recruiting and retaining your people. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But overall, I've also seen a lot of consolidation on the contractor side. In conversations with our customers, they tend to want to work with fewer, larger more capable contractors across the country. So we've seen a lot of consolidation, a lot of M&A. You'll continue to see that. We'll talk more about M&A in a minute as well, but there's been a lot of consolidation in our space and we've seen a ton of demand. We don't have to coach our audience on what 5G has done, especially last year, 2022 was a great year from a demand standpoint. We expect that to continue. There'll be some ups and downs, but the general trend is very favorable for building infrastructure in the wireless space. Yep. So I saw a headline recently, recession won't stop telecom M&A in 2023. So what factors do you see that are driving this activity? The industry tends to be fairly recession-proof, right? So even in times of economic challenge, people don't want to go backwards in terms of their mobile devices or the amount of bandwidth they're using to consume the different apps. And that's not going backwards. So the wireless carriers have to continue to provide high bandwidth services, highly available everywhere. And that's not going to change if the economy takes a step backwards in terms of recession. In addition, from a company like Ontivity's perspective, there's still a ton of building to be done. I don't want to cast aspersions on marketing campaigns about nationwide 5G, but we still have a little piece to go, as most people know, in terms of the 5G build. 
There's a lot of build-out requirements per FCC, you know, requirements by certain deadlines. So we don't see the macro picture changing that much with or without a recession. It tends to be fairly uh, recession-proof. Right. Well, that's good to know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, in addition, everybody is aware of the tens of billions of dollars that have been set aside by the government, whether it's RDOF or the BEAD program for rural broadband and fiber projects. So that hasn't really even started yet. So we've got all of that to look forward to over the next few years as well. Yes, we do. Right place, right time. Let's talk a little bit more about M&A. How do you overcome the challenge of integrating multiple companies? And let's look at especially in the talent acquisition area. Yeah, great question. So when you do some acquisitions and you buy these businesses because they're great businesses, right? They have tend to have great leaders and good people. Otherwise, it's not an attractive target. So the first proposition is make sure you do no harm. So you're buying these companies for a reason. Make sure you preserve what's good about them. I think it's important to listen and learn, try to find out what's working at that business and also what's not working at that business and what could help them scale more quickly. And then migrate those changes or implement those changes over time because a lot of sudden change, especially at the front end of an integration process, can send shockwaves through the company. And listen, we're a people business, so you don't want your best people leaving if they see things are kind of going sideways or in a different direction. But ultimately, it is important to bring those companies into the fold and have a consistent messaging to the employees about the value of the overall platform. That's kind of part of why we do sort of M&A. So I think it's all about, in the beginning, building credibility by showing them you're willing to listen and over time implementing changes. And quite frankly, for some of the smaller businesses, we as a larger platform can take some of the things off their plate that they don't want to do, but they have to do as part of their business. And I'm talking about a lot of the shared services like finance, IT, insurance, and bonding. We can do that much more effectively and on a centralized basis. And initially, that change seems dramatic, but over time, they say they sort of adopt it and say, wow, you know, it's working pretty well. So that's sort of the formula with respect to people. That's one of the bigger challenges. How do you get a common culture across these businesses that have great local identities? And that's a delicate act. And I think I go back to my point about building credibility and not making change too quickly and communicating with them about where you want to go and eventually having them buy into that vision. Yes. One of the biggest challenges that our industry is facing is finding, hiring, engaging and retaining field staff. And so I'd like to know, what are your secrets? I want you to tell me all your secrets, Joe, (laughs) (laughs) for really finding the right people first. Are there strategies that are working for you with field techs and everyone in this world? And also retention, anything that's working for you in the area of retaining field staff specifically? It's a great question because We are a people business. So the communication path to current employees and future employees is critical from a retention standpoint. I think it is really important when you talk about that value chain of sort of identifying, finding, recruiting, training, retaining, the upfront piece is really important and actually something, you know, you want all the secrets or the formula. One thing we're trying to do a better job is the upfront piece of filtering. So for example, tower climbing can be scary to some people. Well, it's kind of important to know that before they make it too far down (laughs) the hiring process, right? right? So we're trying to do a better job of making sure applicants are aware, especially the new folks. If you get an experienced tower hand, they already know about the business, but 
somebody who says, hey, I might like to do this. We're trying to do a better job of actually showing them and teaching them what that's really about. And one of the fun things we did, and you might have seen it at one of the recent trade shows, is we came up with a virtual reality tower climb. So using a pair of virtual reality glasses, we put together a virtual tower climb, which is pretty realistic. You either need to be hanging on to something or sitting down when you do it. But it really gives people a feel of what it's like to be up a couple hundred feet on a tower. So those upfront filtering things are important because our observation is that you have fairly high turnover with new employees. But if you can get them past the six to 12 month mark, they tend to stay. So what can we do better on the front end of the process? In terms of retention, you hit on it in your question, which is engagement. I'm certainly no scholar of human capital strategies, but I know that um, I've read several studies that say engaged employees tend to stay on longer. They work more safely and they're more productive. And so what can we do to engage our employees better to impact retention? And again, I come back to communication, making them feel like they're part of something important, telling our story that gives purpose to their work because everybody wants to do purposeful work and important work. And I do believe the work we're doing is very important in the context of what's going on in industry and society. So not being shy about bragging about the importance of our work. And then also another thing is to talk about sort of the total compensation package. Many of our employees are hourly workers. And one of the tough things is to talk about compensation, not just X dollars per hour, but we have great benefit for programs, 401k, the culture, all of those things taken together, I think is an important story to tell your folks when it comes to engagement and retention. You're so right about that because I think we focus so much on that hourly rate and they focus on that too. So when you show them the whole picture along with that career pathing, right? This is your future and really help them to see that vision. It must make an enormous difference, right? It certainly does. And with respect to career pathing also, this is not something smaller companies tend to be able to do. First of all, identify the next layer of leadership. Who's going to run this company in five years? And listen, we all have strengths and weaknesses. How do we develop those folks and make sure that they have the skill set they'll need to be successful? The other thing is, I think we do a pretty good job of promoting from within. So I think that's really important for people to see that as part of a larger platform, there is that career path to more responsibility and more compensation. Several folks uh, promoted from within recently, and we love to do that whenever possible. So let's talk about the culture of Ontivity. Is there a common theme just across all the family of companies? And how has that culture evolved with the M&A? Yeah. So I always say culture is, we should put a sign out that says under construction. (laughs) Culture is always evolving and hopefully getting better. And again, the trick for us was to take five different cultures and try to come up with the best of all in a common culture without losing, again, what made those companies great. And so our tagline on Ontivity is local connections, national solutions. And we really believe that because it's really the folks at the local level who have those important customer relationships that lead to recurring work and happy customers. And we don't want to be perceived. I want the best of both worlds, right? I want to be perceived as that national player that we are without losing that local feel. And that's a delicate thing to do, but we talk about that all the time. Culture is not a light switch that you can just turn on and you have this great new culture. It's again, bringing people along, having a common vision, communicating frequently, and it's always a work in progress. The other thing we deal with is 
our geographical diversity presents some challenges too. You know, Arkansas is not like the Seattle area, right? So <laughs> we've got local variations there. And again, we don't want to homogenize that because it's not really possible. What you want to do is leverage what's best locally, but also tell a consistent national story. So Joe, I know that you invest in marketing and I know it's important to you. I mean, I clearly saw that at South Wireless Summit when everyone was dressed in Ontivity shirts and everyone's like, oh man, did you see Ontivity? Did you see Ontivity? It was great. It was the talk of the show. But what role does marketing play in talent attraction and retention? It's huge. I mean, it's absolutely huge. And thank you for the kudos. I have to give credit where credit's due. Monica Vink is our director of marketing. She does a terrific job. You mentioned the rebranding. We did rebrand the company last year. And again, giving credit where it's due, sort of under the direction of Jim Tracy, who's a senior advisor to Ontivity. He did a masterful job in taking five separate companies with kind of a confusing holding company name, which was similar to an operating company, and turning it into Ontivity. And so, yeah, we invested a ton of money in that rebranding last year. And then we did increase our marketing budget because, okay, great, we rebranded. But unless you are consistent and follow through, all of that value will be lost. So definitely upped our marketing game. But to answer your question, marketing and talent acquisition, HR, have got to be locked in at the hip because you have to have consistent messaging internally and externally because it doesn't matter to those folks who might be thinking about where they want to take the next career step. So I think consistent theming is very important. We have increased our marketing spend and it's kind of fun because now you mentioned that most recent show, the joke among some people is we're perceived as kind of the cool kids on the contractor <laughs> spot. And that's a great right. thing. You know, that's a great thing to be perceived as because people want to become part of something interesting and growing and cool. So absolutely marketing has to be tied to the human capital element. Yes. Marketing is just a passion of mine. So I love that topic. Joe, I really respect you as a leader. And just in the conversations that we've had today, I've learned so much from you. So can you talk about who are you as a leader? What's most important to you? Wow, it's a big question. But people who know me say, well, he's been using that for a while. It's kind of his old saw. But I talk about the three C's that are important. And I think it's really important when you talk about what's important to you as a leader to be simple and crisp. And I call the three C's. The first C is, well, their character, competence, and commitment. On the character side, it's really the foundation. It's really non-negotiable. Your integrity is everything. So it's really important that as a leader, you maintain that integrity and you do what you say. And you say what you do and you do what you say. You treat people with respect. Super important. And part of that is also transparency. I mean, people are smart. They're going to see through. If it's perceived as a scheme, they're going to see right through it. So you have to be an authentic person. And that starts with your character. On the competence side, it's all about knowing and doing your job. Be a competent person. Know what you have to do and do it. Safety is at the front of mind at all times. A commitment to safety in your personal life and your work life is very important. And also, customer care is part of competence. They're the reason we do what we do. They're paying our salary. So taking care of the customer is super important. On the commitment side, as a leader, I expect people in my organization to commit to the goals of the organization. Or get on another bus. <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's a little harsh, but you know, we're trying to get something done here and it's important for people to have some buy-in into that direction. And that's part of their commitment. Part of that's also being a good teammate. Be somebody that's reliable, that people can trust. 
And don't be that person who's toxic coworker, that kind of thing. So it's character, competence, and commitment. Those are the things that I think about and try to communicate and try to live as I lead an organization. How do you train leaders? Is it something, do you have a formal program? Is it mentorship? What's your strategy there? Yeah, so I go back to observing and learning. So when you come in as a fresh leader, I try not to take other people's opinions about folks in the leadership positions in the organization. I try to find form my own opinion. So I think it's really important to be a good listener and observer of what's going on. As people start to demonstrate their capability, I think it's really important to delegate and let them run and see what they can do with it. Well, some famous person said, don't tell people how to do something, tell them what to do and let them surprise you with their ingenuity, right? So it's really important to give subsidiary leaders at bats and see how they do. And that's how you can evaluate them over time. And then the other important thing is coaching. Nobody's above coaching, even myself. And I ask for feedback all the time. So I think it's important to provide that to your leadership team and provide that important feedback. And I've done that several times, even in the years since I've been here and people respond to it. Sometimes they're not even aware either shortcomings or perceptions. So I think it's really important to coach your, your leaders as well. So in your career, you've dealt with a lot of change as a leader, definitely in this role. How do you navigate and embrace that change within a rapidly growing organization? Well, the first thing is just to come to terms with you're going to be constantly changing. Things are constantly changing, right? People change. Technology is changing extremely quickly. So we live in an environment, and if you're a leader, you have to be comfortable that there's going to be constant change. Some people get frustrated by that. I see it as an opportunity, but it can be challenging. So I think the important thing is to make sure you're providing direction. You put together a clear and executable strategy for the company so everybody knows where you're headed. And again, through some of the character, competence, commitment, you're communicating to people your expectations for performance. And also, you're also giving them a filter to make decisions about the business. If you act in the best interest of the business and expect your leaders to do that, they don't have to come to you all the time and ask you a question. They can make judgments about what's in the best interest of the business. So I think it's important in a changing environment that you set that compass heading and let people know what you're all about and where you're trying to go and let them use that as a filter to make decisions going forward. I love that you've alluded to communication so many times and transparency and letting people know what your goals are and getting people rowing in the same direction. And I think that's so important, that communication piece, especially when, like you said, change is constant. We're going through it all the time. So helping people to look at change in a powerful way, right? Mm -hmm. To become comfortable with change. Speaking of that, I mean, telecom is always changing, right? I mean, it's just constant. So what do telecom leaders need to be doing today to really thrive in the next decade? There's a lot coming. Okay, you mentioned we've got RDOF, the bead is on its way. I mean, there's more 5G to come. I mean, there's a lot in our future. So what do we need to be doing today? There'll be 6G one day also. Yes, there (laughs) will. And 10G. (laughs) I think to be successful, leaders need to embrace an attitude of continuous learning. Technology moves very quickly. So unless you're a person who's willing to continuously invest in learning, you will be left behind, in my opinion. You also have to be adaptable. Cultures shift, perceptions shift, people change. And if you're sort of set in stone, that's not going to serve you well going forward, in my opinion. 
Um, I also think you need to diversify your skill set. And also as a business, diversify. You got to try things you're not good at because you'll fail once in a while. But I think the old adage goes, you learn more from your failures than your successes. So you got to be willing to take those chances and try something you're not good at. Again, I've stolen a lot of phrases from people I've worked with in the past. 20 years ago, a guy named Bill Tyson gave me a phrase. It's a people business. So be a person. You know, oh, I think I love that. To, yeah. I use it all the time. I think people have to find you relatable in order for you to be a successful leader. And you got to find a way to relate to lots of different people. I think going back to my early experience, the army really helped me do that, right? We had kids from the city and kids from the country, all kinds of cultural backgrounds. So being able to work with a very diverse workforce is going to be a key success factor going forward. So I assume that there is more M&A in Ontivity's future. So describe the DNA of an Ontivity target company. We'll definitely be and are in the M&A game right now. We have actually a pretty healthy pipeline of acquisition targets we're looking at right now. Might be surprised if we didn't do one or two this year or more, who knows. But listen, we're trying to grow our geographical footprint in our current business, as well as diversify, as I talked about earlier, broaden our scopes of work, broaden the customer base we work with. And oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, M&A is the best way to accelerate those efforts. We're looking to do more on the DAS side, distributed antenna systems. We have a great business and growing business in the DAS world right now, but we'd love to do more of that. We'd love to do more fiber work as well. We do some of that right now, but given the things we talked about earlier in terms of the spending, you'll see us probably be much more active on the fiber side as well. And it's not that we're growing away from our wireless roots. We want to continue to grow that business as well while we add geographic diversity, customer diversity, and what I call scope of work diversity through M&A. So yeah, we'll be pretty active there. In terms of targets, we're looking at small to mid-sized companies that are well-run. Typically, these are founder-operated businesses, and they may want to be part of something larger. And I think we've got a great story to tell there. And some of our acquisitions over the years are some of our best salesmen in that regard, talking to potential targets about their experience being acquired by Ontivity and what that's been like. So we're definitely keeping our eyes open for quality businesses run by good people, but they have to pass what we call rule number one. I'll give you the PG version. It's life's too short to work with jerks, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it is. <laughs> you know, it's really important to us to find people who are going to fit culturally, right? And so we're not going to do a deal that's going to sort of harm what we're trying to build here. So just to state the obvious, but there's a lot of good businesses out there. I think you'll see an uptick in M&A this year because interest rates are going up. And one of the economic peculiarities of our work is that you need a decent balance sheet to do work for the big guys. And I think whether it's getting the bills in on time or the payment terms for some of the larger carriers and infrastructure providers, some of the little guys can't float that for very long. And now in a growing interest rate environment, that's even more difficult. So I think you'll see some companies that have done very well come to the market to be part of something larger and help them grow. And that's mm. what we bring to the table is we've got a big balance sheet so we can allow them to take work that they probably would have passed on if they were still independent and financing it themselves. That's an important point that you just said. Important point. Take notes. So this has been fantastic. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I'm sure that there's some listeners that are thinking, how do I learn more about Ontivity? How do I get a job with Ontivity? How do I work with the Ontivity family of companies? So where can we go to learn more about you? 
Yeah, very simple. Our website is Antivity.com. So if you go to the website, you'll see more about us, our family member companies, our leadership team, and also employment opportunities. And if there are MA targets that are interested in being part of what we're doing, I'm sure they can find me. You know, I'm on <laughs> LinkedIn as well. Or they could call you, Carrie. Yes, just call me. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I know. Now you're famous. You've been on 5G Talent Talk. <laughs> Oh, Joe, thank you. It's awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. This has been fantastic. And I will see you again, Sue. I think we've got ConnectX right around the corner. That's right. I look forward to seeing you there. I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another informative episode of 5G Talent Talk brought to you by RCR Wireless News, Telecom Careers, and Broadstaff Talent Solutions. As we advance into the future, we promise to bring you the resources you need to navigate this ever-changing landscape of 5G to help you attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. To access the show notes or leave a review, visit broadstaffglobal.com. Until next time.